Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is February the 9th, 2018. Uh, We've gotten past Groundhog Day, and uh, the lunacy in Washington, of course, continues unabated. I thank all of you for joining me at the end of the week so we can can play that uh, inevitable game of catch-up. And again, there's much to catch up on. But first, um, for those of you new to the program, I welcome you. Those of you familiar with me, familiar with the program, know that I'm a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service, <clears throat> an agency that was sliced and diced when they created the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, I came to call it the Department of Homeland Surrender in the wake of the terror attacks of September 11, 2001. Um, but in, during my 30-year career with the old INS, um, I got to take a a true scenic tour. I spent the first four years of my career as an immigration inspector assigned to Kennedy Airport. I spent one of those four years detailed as an adjudications officer. Back then, they called them immigration examiners, doing the marriage interviews you've seen in the movies. And then I became a special agent in 1975, a very long time ago, uh, longer ago than I want to admit. And I rotated through all the squads within the investigations branch. I was even the first INS agent assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration. And then the last 10 years of my career, I was a senior special agent uh, promoted to that position and assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. And after 9-11, I have been a man on a mission trying to wake people up congressmen, our senators, uh, governors, mayors, who's ever willing to listen because there's such a shortage of leaders in politics from either party. There's a few, but you got to look wide and far to find them. Also trying to, more importantly, wake up our fellow Americans who are truly asleep at the switch about the nexus between immigration, border security, and national security and public safety. You know, immigration touches on all of the major challenges and threats that America and Americans face, and the folks literally making out like bandits have uh, done a good job of spewing propaganda. This, by the way, is not about being politically correct. It's about being Orwellian. Human beings think with words. When you can eliminate words, you eliminate the thoughts that those words represent. When you can find alternate uses for words, you obfuscate any honest conversation. And increasingly on college campuses, we are witnessing so-called safe spaces that leave the anarchists safe from being challenged by rational, um, intelligent people. This isn't a left-right issue. It's a right-wrong issue. Uh, Full disclosure, I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. Can't tell you the last time I voted for a Democrat. But I got to tell you, I'm not happy when I look across the aisle to the Republicans either. Both sides are all in on globalism. That's what's gotten us into this mess. Uh, Members of Congress who have conflicts of interest, 
members of Congress who are members of the American Immigration Lawyers Association uh, who are feathering their nests, the nests of their friends and the nests of those people who uh, pay them bribes. Because let's be blunt, that's basically what campaign contributions are. They are bribes. I wasn't allowed to take a cup of coffee when I was on duty as an agent. We were told that if we conducted an interview down the block from the target of an investigation, so the people we were speaking with were not under investigation, we were simply seeking their cooperation. If out of hospitality, they offered us a cup of coffee or or chocolate milk, a scoop of ice cream, a can of soda, allowed to accept it because the concern was that we would create the illusion of giving people preferential treatment. All that we were allowed to accept would be ice water. That was it. That was it. It was ironclad. There was no wiggle room. We were not to accept anything from anybody. Would that our politicians adhere to the same principle of high moral standards? You know, we need to have a new official in Washington and in every city and state government, the official auctioneer, so that uh, people could bid for whatever it is they want, because that's essentially what campaign finance is about. And anyone who doesn't think so is either a fool or, or, or lying, because it's as plain as day. When people write checks for thousands and thousands of dollars, they are expecting something in exchange. You know, if, if you write a guy a check for 100 bucks, he's running for Congress, he wants to be the next mayor, not a big deal. What do you expect for 100 bucks? And by the way, that's a hell of a lot more than any agent or police officer or public official is allowed to take. You're allowed to take nothing. But, you know, for 100 bucks, minimal. But when you get into the thousands of dollars, you better believe that those people writing those big checks are expecting big returns. This isn't altruism. And how many of these special interest groups and individuals send checks to competitors running for the same seat in Congress, same seat in the Senate, um, same mayoralty office or gubernatorial office? Now, why in the world do you think somebody would give money to two candidates opposing each other, seeking the same job. There's only one reason. The guy writing the check doesn't care who wins. He or she wants to make sure that he wins. That's what it's about. Very simple. So please follow the money. Please understand the level of corruption that we are witnessing across the board. We've never seen it this bad. And when you can listen to politicians wanting to put illegal aliens ahead of American children, that should tell you what kind of lunacy, what kind of depravity, what kind of immorality we're listening to. To hear Nancy Pelosi stand on the floor of the United States House of Representatives and refer to DACA illegal aliens as the best of the best, the best of the best, sight unseen, if you're an illegal alien, we value you much, 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 much more than American children. And look at the price we pay. Look at the riots in St. Louis and Baltimore and elsewhere. African-American kids who know that they are in a dead-end life. Dead-end life. They have nowhere to go, no hopes, no nothing. They are desperate. They are angry. I'm sure they're frightened, and they should be. And they've been betrayed, betrayed by the Black Leadership Caucus, betrayed by everybody who votes on behalf of DACA and illegal aliens, not because I have a hatred for children from other countries, 
but because I have a love for American kids and I don't care about their race, their religion, their ethnicity, nothing. All I care about is let's put American children above all the other children of the world. What rational family would provide money to a charity if they were sending their own kids to bed hungry at night? That's what we're doing. One in four American kids lives below the poverty line. And to have Nancy Pelosi stand on the floor and talk about how her grandson wishes he had a different skin color. And you could say what you want in Mike Cutler world. That's racism on her part. Uh, And then to say that the illegal aliens who simply have to claim that they came here before they were 16, with no way of verifying it necessarily, they're the best of the best of the best of the best. Really? How dumb of the dumb of the dumber do you have to be to believe that lie? How dare a member of the United States Congress, a woman who stands high on the pecking order, and the people's house, so-called, insulting American kids, American families, people who don't have perhaps brown skin that she insulted. My grandson wishes he had brown skin. Uh, Why can't all Americans be proud to be Americans, no matter what their race, no matter what their religion, no matter what their skin color? Martin Luther King wanted a colorblind America. Nancy Pelosi apparently has a problem with white skin. There's no other way of saying it. It's infuriating and upsetting to listen to that kind of garbage. I raise my children to believe that skin color should be of no greater consequence than eye color or hair color. We are born with it. Judge people by who they are and what they do. The content of their heart, the content of their soul. What do they stand for? Are they trustworthy? That's what we should be having a conversation about. But this divide-and-conquer nonsense that has been going on for far too long is also part of the political polling process. I want all of you to think about it. When we hear the pollsters come out of the woodwork, especially during the election season, and they've got their magic markers and who's twittering and tweetering and all this lunacy, all this nonsense, all this garbage, all this make-believe serious stuff, it's not serious stuff. It's snake oil. Because when you can differentiate Americans by color, by race, by religion, by ethnicity, you're a racist. Why in the world does anybody really think that Americans who are of Latino ancestry or Latino ethnicity inherently want something different from people who aren't Latino? We hear the same garbage about black voters and Jewish voters and Christian voters. See, it's reasonable. It's reasonable to talk about people by age. Uh, People who are retired have different concerns than the kid that's graduating with a degree from college and has fears about his or her future. What will I do for a living? Will I get a job? Somebody who's 70 years old isn't worried about getting a job. When someone has children, they're more concerned perhaps about the educational system than the person who never had kids would be because they're worried about how their children will do in life if they're not properly educated. That makes sense. Somebody who has a PhD and is looking for work is not likely to be displaced in the labor force by an illegal alien who runs the border. But somebody who barely gets out of high school or maybe didn't graduate from high school certainly would be concerned about losing his or her job to somebody who runs the border. The guy with the PhD, on the other hand, might be concerned 
that we're educating hundreds of thousands of foreign students in the STEM curriculum, and we're bringing in tens of thousands of H-1B visa holders to compete with American workers. That certainly would be of great concern to somebody uh, who has a high-tech education, but not likely to be of great concern to somebody, again, who didn't have way, much in the way of formal education. So those are reasonable dividing points. Someone who lives in the city has different concerns from someone who lives and works on a farm. That's reasonable. But all things being equal, when you hear about the polls, about how do you appeal to the Latino voter by opening up the borders, by legalizing illegal aliens, by permitting gangs to roam freely in the streets and have sanctuary cities, I don't care what your last name or your skin color, your race or your religion is. If you're an American citizen, you've got to be out of your damn mind if you think that that's worthwhile and something you want to see. But how many times do we hear these same arguments and their lies? They divide America up. They set us off against one another. It's a divide and conquer strategy. It's disgusting. And these are the same supposed journalists who, if they heard that law enforcement engaged in profiling, even if it's the sort of profiling that's legally justified, you know, law enforcement can profile. But you don't do it because some guy is black or white or green or, or, or wears a yarmulke or doesn't wear a yarmulke. You're doing it because of circumstances, totality. There's a whole bunch of issues that go into it. If you see somebody at 3 o'clock in the morning circling a block where there's many parking spaces, then it's a block where, as a law enforcement officer, you know there's been considerable narcotics trafficking. And the guy comes in at 3 in the morning He's of a different ethnicity, perhaps, than the residents of that community, and he's driving a very expensive car with out-of-state plates, and he keeps circling the block, looking around as though he's looking for somebody. I mean, there may be an innocent explanation, but any law enforcement officer uh, who knows what he or she is doing is going to want to talk to that guy, because it might be that he, he or she is looking for his drug connection. So that's reasonable. But certainly, if you pull someone over, nice car, and he's the wrong color, uh, that's a problem. But you know what? That problem is the problem that is basically being perpetrated by the so-called journalists who stand there and talk about black voters or Latino voters or Jewish voters. They are dividing us up along race lines or along religious lines. That's not legitimate. It's not fair. It's not moral. It shouldn't even be legal. Because all it does create a problem destroying the cohesiveness of America, this idea of e pluribus unum, out of many, one. These, these should be non-factors. All Americans, <clears throat> unless they're crazy, want the military to keep America's enemies as far from our shores as possible. Every American wants the police to keep the streets safe, wants the schools to educate our children equally, properly, effectively, so that any American, irrespective of what I call superficial factors, race, religion, ethnicity, gender, any American willing to work hard, study hard, and perhaps benefit from a little bit good old-fashioned luck thrown in for good measure, might be able to write the great American success story. That's what we're talking about. So you look at the craziness and you look at the way DACA has been jammed down the throats of Americans going back to Mr. Obama, what a con scam he came up with. You know, I wrote a piece for Fox News Latino back then. Fox News Latino 
kind of evaporated. So now it's still up on Fox News, the pieces that I've written. But I said that what President Obama referred to as prosecutorial discretion should really be called prosecutorial deception. DACA, if you look at my articles and I write for frontpagemag.com, I write for the social contract and I on occasion write for Newsmax. They're wonderful enough to have me on the programs with them. Um, Just yesterday, I taped um, a segment for the Daily Ledger over at One American News Network. And then I taped another interview all about DACA with another journalist from One American News went into the studios in Manhattan to tape the interview. Hopefully it'll be running this weekend. talking a little bit about the background to DACA. Over 10 years ago, there was an effort made to pass comprehensive immigration reform, and it failed to pass, failed to pass. Congress voted it down. I testified before a number of hearings about, first, the guest worker amnesty program George W. Bush wanted to create, and they had comprehensive immigration reform. And I wrote an op-ed for the Washington Times 10 years ago. I called it the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act, And Senator Sessions agreed with me. And in fact, he quoted me from the floor of the Senate on three separate days during the floor debates back in 07, and then sent me a certificate in which he said that it was his belief that his ability to use my words during the floor debates uh, convinced enough of his colleagues to vote down bad legislation. I was very honored, very pleased, very proud. And then Mr. Obama stands in the Rose Garden and says, well, we couldn't get that passed. Congress wouldn't act. Well, Congress acted. They they acted to vote no, and they voted against the DREAM Act also. The DREAM Act, marvelous hypocrisy. Uh, Don't say the word alien, oh, my God, except if it's the DREAM Act, because the A in DREAM Act is alien. Well, they couldn't get the DREAM Act through. DACA was an end run around that. And so now you have President Trump inexplicably, very upsettingly to me, because I've been supporting him uh, for his candidacy, Uh, Don't always agree with everything he says or the way he says it. Sometimes he uh, gives me a little cause for pause. I think he does that for everybody. Uh, But he's got the direct way of speaking to those men who grew up uh, when I did and were in the construction trades. My dad was a tradesman, did new construction as a plumber. I hung out on those jobs, and, uh, and the president sounds very much like the men that I hung out with when I was a kid with my dad. And so I understand he's a little bit as my uh, wife would say rough around the edges, you know. But for him to come out in support of DACA, when it is clear we can't vet these people and the numbers aren't um, the 1.8 million that the president predicts, the uh, Migration Policy Institute estimated that there would be 3.6 million. I even think that's a low number. Because, you know, you look at John Kelly, chief of staff of the administration, saying, well, Maybe some of these people were just too lazy to come forward. I have a different idea, John Kelly. I don't think you understand immigration, quite frankly. Uh, may have had a brilliant uh, background in the military, but I don't think you know diddly about immigration, frankly. Um, it's not that these people were lazy. Maybe some were afraid to come out. But the bigger issue is how many of those aliens weren't here when DACA enrollment was open? How many of them aren't even here yet? But if we are corrupt and self-destructive and stupid enough to pass DACA in Washington to legalize all of them, how many of them will enter the United States in the months, maybe years ahead, and then just blatantly lie about when they got here and who they are? The 9-11 Commission warned that immigration fraud 
visa fraud were the two key methods of entry and embedding for terrorists. And so that brings us to an article uh, that I wrote. It was just published this morning for Front Page Magazine, published on February the 9th, 2018. And um, it, it really goes to, to the real issue about what's wrong with DACA. The title of my article Saudi graduate of Al-Qaeda terror training camp arrested in Oklahoma. The subtitle, I mean, this is an attention getter. This should cause people to literally drop their teeth. Alleged classmate of 9-11 hijackers attended U.S. flight school in 2016. Two years ago, not even two years ago. He entered the United States in 2011 as the spouse of a foreign student, someone on what is known as an F-1 visa. And nobody knew who this guy was. He's a Saudi national. Nobody knew his nexus to the terror attacks of 9-11. And when they started to read the press release issued by the Justice Department, which is what had caught my eye, which is what caused me to write my, my article, I, I wound up finding myself suffering from a bit of deja vu because when, when I, I remember six months after 9-11, it was suddenly discovered to everybody's horror that two of the dead terrorists, including Mohammed Atta, the ringleader of the attacks of 9-11, had been granted authorization to attend flight school six months after the attacks. So by then, the entire flipping world knew they were terrorists and knew they were dead. But because of a monumental screw up, the computer company hired by immigration, and I just love these contracts that are given out. Why can't these agencies do the jobs themselves? Very often these contracts just waste more money and make things more difficult. We create Rube Goldbergs. Everyone says, oh, let's privatize everything. Not so fast. Not so fast. Companies are in business to make profit. I don't know that it's such a great deal. I think things are a lot better when people working for the government are required to do the job so there's accountability. There's lots of holes in the system when you start bringing in private contractors, but that's me. So this brilliant contracting outfit sent letters of approval to the flight school that said, you know, we want to train these two guys, Muhammad Atta Marwan al-Shehi, and they said, sure, go ahead, train them. But the paperwork got there six months after 9-11. Stunning. I was one of the four witnesses at the hearing. If you go to my article at Front Page Magazine today, frontpagemag.com, please read my article. Check out the links. If you have the time, please watch that hearing because I've provided you with a link. It was covered by C-SPAN. It's part of their permanent library. Watch the hearing. Watch the indignation of the members of Congress from both sides of the aisle. Listen to the promises. Listen to the demands. Listen to the urgency in their voice and then realize that nothing has been done that meets the demands that those irate members of Congress make. We should give those people Academy Awards. We're not going to tolerate this. This isn't ever going to happen again. We're going to get on this. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. In fact, the same BS is continuing, but more frequently now. Now, how is that possible? How is it possible that a country that 45 years ago repeatedly sent astronauts to the moon with extremely primitive technology, didn't lose a single astronaut going or coming to the moon, even brought back Apollo 13, 
safely, even though there was an explosion on board. I had the unbelievable privilege of meeting Commander Jim Lovell not long after that when I went to Border Patrol Academy. I went to the Johnson Space Center in Houston, the Manned Space Center, and, and lo and behold, there was uh, Commander Lovell, and we got to speak for about a half hour. I, I cherish that conversation. I subsequently met uh, Gene Krantz, flight director, who helped to bring them home. These are amazing American heroes. They're my heroes. The astronauts, since I was a kid, were my heroes growing up. Now, look at those achievements. But we can't figure out who's here and what's going on. Folks, this is failure by design. You see, there's nothing wrong with the immigration system. Now, you're going to think Mike Cutler's lost his mind, but listen carefully. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the American Immigration Lawyers Association, many religious institutions with empty seats wanting to fill those pews, corporations that want cheap labor, the hotel travel industry wants cheap labor to change the linen in the hotel rooms, and, and they want wealthy tourists to sleep on those sheets when they come here. All of these different groups looking to make lots of money are getting what they want. An unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor. And believe me, there's no compassion in exploitation. An unlimited supply of foreign tourists and an unlimited supply of foreign students. That's what this supposedly broken system is delivering. It is the most efficient delivery system this side of FedEx, delivering what the people writing the campaign contributions want. And, you know, they even had the chutzpah in Congress, and people are so foolish, where legal fees would have been paid for the illegal aliens. When I go around the country doing speaking events, and if you know of any opportunities, let me know, and I'll consider coming to your neck of the woods. Um, so I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've done speaking events. I say to people, well, why in the world do you think comprehensive reform would have included money to pay the legal fees for the illegal aliens? And, and so many people incapable of thinking immediately say, oh, politicians, they're pandering to the illegals. Oh. No, they're not. You don't pander to the powerless. You never pander to the powerless. This was simply about making certain that immigration lawyers got paid. That's all it is. And so if you look at the way that legislation is written, it never includes more agents to enforce the immigration laws. There's even now a new bill going through Congress, and I'll probably write something about it. If you carefully go through it, yes, they want more border agents, but they don't want any more immigration agents. They want to have mandatory E-Verify. People say to me, well, that's the solution. If you made it mandatory, they'd stop hiring illegal aliens. Again, dopey, 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 dopey. No, you could have mandatory E-Verify, and you could have millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of illegal aliens working with no problem in America. Think. Put on your thinking cap. Screw it down and turn the switch on. Hire them off the books. And that's how they hire them now. That's how they've always hired illegal aliens. So what in the world would E-Verify do if we make it mandatory? Not much. Not unless you hire enough agents to conduct the audits and go after the employers. So why don't they hire the agents? Because they don't want the employers to be messed with. So they pass laws. Sounds good. I compare this to the guy in the circus who saws the lady in half. Now, does anyone really think that the guy with the, with the magic hat on his head is really going to saw that woman in half? I mean, think of the consequences. He goes to jail, and when he gets out of jail, if ever, nobody will work for him again, right? So 
to entertain the audience, he has to come up with a very convincing presentation that, oh, my God, he sawed her in half. How did he do that? And we all know that he didn't really hurt a hair on her head. Politicians know that the American people are fed up. They want our borders secured. They want our immigration laws enforced. Now, they know that they have to promise it, just like they promised the people who come to the circus, I'm going to cut my pretty assistant in half. Well, they go to their electorate and they say, okay, constituents, I know what you want and we're going to do it. We're going to spend all this money because we're going to do what you want. We're going to secure that border. We're going to enforce those laws. We're going to write new laws. But they have a problem because if they really do it, they don't worry about going to jail. They worry that the people writing their campaign contributions will stop writing the checks. So what do they do? They create a very convincing illusion so that somebody who doesn't understand how things really work says, wow, my congressman is doing exactly what I said. I'm going to vote for him. You know what? I'm going to mail him a couple of hundred bucks. He's so fantastic. And meanwhile, nothing has changed. Man's laws need to be enforced to be relevant. The laws of nature, they are immutable. The speed of light has nothing to do with anybody with a radar gun and a summons books. But the speed of cars on the highways, the only way you can control that is if enough people understand that there's cops out there willing to stop them if they're speeding. So without enforcement, man's laws are worthless. They're meaningless. They're words on a piece of paper. And if you look at the new law that's been proposed, there isn't a single word about how many more immigration agents they're going to hire. Because the goal is not to enforce the immigration laws, folks. It's to cut the lady in half and make it look good. That's what they're doing. And so we're told, well, and the president said it. Oh, we're going to make sure that these people that apply for DACA have good moral character. How? How? There's no capacity to interview these people. The approval rate for DACA was in excess of 95%. You know why? There were no in-person interviews. There were no field investigations. All that the adjudicator had to go by was the information that was provided with the application. So if all the answers were right, and maybe some rent receipts or utility bills, whatever. Maybe it was theirs. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe they were counterfeit. God only knows. It's all bogus. All bogus. The Reagan amnesty created a cottage industry of document vendors. The 9-11 Commission talked about document vendors. That's the entry and embedding tactic of terrorists. And back when Reagan did this, we started to get into desktop computing and desktop publishing. Well, we've gotten a lot more sophisticated since then, haven't we? So when the president says, well, we're going to make sure they have good moral character, I'd like to know how. Are you going to play mighty Karnak and hold the application up to your head and figure this out? Those of you old enough to remember Johnny Carson's routine on The Tonight Show? With no interviews, no field investigations, Jack the Ripper could get citizenship. And the 9-11 Commission warned us about it. I mean, look at this guy, because this, is, this guy is the poster child. Let me, let me read a little bit to you from the press release. And again, if you go to frontpagemag.com, check out my article. By the way, if you like this stuff, please, I ask you, post it on Facebook, other social media. I have a confession. I am a techno dinosaur. I don't do Facebook and I don't tweet. And I know there are people groaning and people always call me up and email me. Oh, please, you got to learn how to tweet. 
Maybe in my next life I'll be a canary, so I'll learn how to tweet. I don't tweet. I do write. And I write for frontpagemag.com. I write for Newsmax. I write for The Social Contract. That's what I do. And I do this radio show. And when I'm given opportunities, I do public speaking events. I go on radio and television shows. I probably average about 30 radio interviews every month in addition to my own show. But I don't tweet, and I don't Twitter, and I don't boop, and I don't bop. Okay? So if you could do that for me and be part of my bucket brigade of truth, I would be forever indebted to you. But here's how this uh, piece of uh, material starts out. It says, uh, by the way, the title, Saudi citizen charged in Oklahoma with concealing attendance at Al-Qaeda training camp. Where did he conceal it? On his application for a visa. He lied just like the people are going to lie in their DACA applications about when they got here and how old they were. And the likelihood that they're going to be caught is between slim and none and slim just left the building. Okay. And that's something that no one's talking about. The news media keeps saying, these are the kids. They came as kids. No folks. We have no idea if they came as kids. The only ones who I can guarantee you who came as kids are the ones who, who are now, 20 years old, and they're filing their application. So you say, yeah, okay. Yeah, they probably came as kids. And by the way, there have been cases of aliens in their 20s masquerading as teenagers. I did a story about one of those characters from Eastern Europe a couple of years ago. He actually attended four years of high school and was an honor student and belonged to, uh, I forgot, I, I think he was in a, um, an ROTC program, very high profile, and they, they held him out as a shining example that he was actually about seven or eight years older than he claimed he was. He was ultimately criminally charged with statutory rape when he took a high school girl to bed. Um, and she thought that he was her age. And in fact, he was in his 20s. So even when we, when we think we know who we're dealing with, we don't know who we're dealing with. That particular guy came to the country, was adopted by an American family, uh, total nightmare. And he's not alone in this. We don't know what we're doing. We're flying blind in a storm. And the storm is called terrorism. The storm is called transnational criminals. We are clueless. And what upsets me about President Trump, and I doubt that he's listening to my radio program, but if he was, I would tell him, I respect what he's tried to accomplish, but he's reversed course on us. The same president that said, we're not going to let aliens into the United States who can't be vetted because they come from countries that are dysfunctional and sponsor terrorism. And I agreed with him 100 percent. And I've written articles supporting him 100 percent. And I've criticized the judges who blocked him. I criticized the organizations who blocked him. He has every right to do it. And other presidents have done similar things. But if he was here right now, I'd say, Mr. President, when aliens run the border, they're not vetted at all. They didn't even get inspected. That's the whole danger to people running the border. They are circumventing the inspections process. They are sneaking in so no one even knows they're here. And if you don't think that poses a threat to national security, read the 9-11 Commission report. I was proud to be asked to provide testimony to the commission. Read the 9-11 Commission report. Read the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. That was the key point. One of the key points, multiple failures of the immigration system permitted the entry and embedding of the terrorists. And not just on 9-11, they looked at 94 terrorists, including the 9-11 hijackers in the decade leading up to the attacks on 9-11. So when we hear all of this strong stuff, 
If we can't vet you, we're not letting you in. Well, Mr. President, you just offered to give 1.8 illegal aliens who evaded the vetting process, give them citizenship. And I got to tell you, that's a big, 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 big mistake. Because there will be no interviews. We don't have the capacity. We don't have the people to do it. It just wouldn't be done. And if it would be done, it would be done in such a cursory fashion that it wouldn't matter anyway. And I want all of you to focus on the fact that on September 11, 2001, 19 hijackers killed more people than did the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. You know, we keep getting told that to be successful, the terrorists only got to be right once. For us to be safe, our people got to get it right 100% of the time. Every single application for a visa or an immigration benefit provides an opportunity for the terrorists to get it right. That's how deadly serious this business is. And I really don't think that John Kelly understands it at all. I'm sure he was a great general, but generals aren't immigration officers and immigration officers aren't generals. I have a good friend, General Paul Vallely. It's an honor to be able to call retired Major General Vallely a personal friend. I've been to his home. He arranged a speaking event for me in Montana, where he now lives. But when, when he is asked by people about immigration issues, he, he, def, he defers to me. He says, Mike, can you chat with these folks? Uh, when I've had political candidates approach me about military issues because they're getting ready for a debate, I look at them and I say, you got the wrong guy. You want to talk immigration? Here I am. You want to talk military? call General Vallely or, or email him, and I give them Vallely's email address, and I'm proud to do it. Now, I don't believe that John Kelly knows anything about immigration. He looks at the Mexican border and says, that's it, we're going to get that border secure. Meanwhile, we have 95,000 miles of coastline, we have a Canadian border, we have international airports in every state. You know, I call it the immigration colander. General Kelly wants to plug one hole in the bottom of a colander and call that thing a bucket. It's not a bucket. All that is is a colander with a blocked hole. Let's be honest with each other here. Okay, this is foolishness, and it's dangerous. It's dangerous, and because, and again, I know I interrupted myself, but let me read this to you. And this was just published on Tuesday this week, February the 6th. Naif Abdulaziz M. Al-Falaj. Boy, it doesn't quite roll off the tongue as easily as I wish it would. 34, a citizen of Saudi Arabia and a current resident of Weatherford, Oklahoma, has been arrested for visa fraud and making false statements to the FBI by, among other things, concealing his application to and attendance at an al-Qaeda training camp in Afghanistan in late 2000. This is just before 2001, folks. Acting Assistant Attorney General for National Security, Edward C. O'Callaghan, Acting U.S. Attorney Robert J. Trosta of the Western District of Oklahoma, and Special Agent in Charge Catherine Peterson of the FBI's Oklahoma City Division made the announcement. Based on a criminal complaint signed in the Western District of Oklahoma and unsealed today, Al Falaj was taken into custody by the FBI without incident on February the 5th. The grand jury returned a three-count indictment against him today. He was arraigned this afternoon before U.S. Magistrate Judge Bernard M. Jones and is currently in the custody of the U.S. Marshal Service. According to the complaint, the FBI found 15 of Al-Falaj's fingerprints on an application to an al-Qaeda training camp known as El Farouk, 
which is one of al-Qaeda's key training sites in Afghanistan. The document was recovered by the U.S. military from an al-Qaeda safe house in Afghanistan. The document is also alleged to include an emergency contact number associated with al-Falaj's father in Saudi Arabia. Al-Falaj is alleged to have first entered the United States in late 2011 on a non-immigrant visa based on his wife's status as a foreign student. According to the complaint, he answered several questions in his visa application falsely, including whether he had ever supported terrorists or terrorist organizations. So understand what happened. And it goes on and says this. The indictment returned today charges two counts of visa fraud. Count one alleges that from March 2012 to the present, Al-Falaj possessed the visa obtained by fraud. Count two alleges that he used that visa in October 2016 to apply for lessons at a private flight school in Oklahoma. The third count in the indictment charges Al-Falaj with making a false statement to the FBI during a terrorism investigation when he was interviewed and denied having associated with anyone from a foreign terrorist group. So if this guy had never applied to go to flight school, because now because of 9-11, anybody taking flying lessons has to be fingerprinted. If it wasn't for that, we would not have known that he was here. How in the world did he get fingerprinted for a visa and those fingerprints didn't show up? I have no idea. I have no idea. But how many more people are out there like him? Now, you must understand something else. And this is part of the thing that I wrote about in my piece for frontpagemag.com today. DHS has provided a chart showing where all the DACA aliens are from. And they're not all from Mexico. Mexico accounts for just under 80% of all the applications. But 20% weren't Mexicans. Some were from Latin America, Guatemala, or El Salvador. But you had some from Syria, some from Africa, some from Asia, some from Europe. 19 terrorists on 9-11 caused more casualties than the whole Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor. Now, remember, that's the people who were processed. President Trump is now offering to process anybody who shows up and says, yep, I should have done it. I'm too darn lazy. Here I am. Take me now. I'm yours. How many will be from the Middle East? We don't know. How many will come from visa waiver countries but are affiliated with terrorism in their visa waiver country? We don't know. And look at the way that we are provided with false security. If you remember, we had a whole bunch of terror attacks in Europe, trucks and the shootings at the deli and, and you know, the Jewish delicatessen, and the Jewish store, and all these other attacks within visa waiver countries. And Congress got together with Mr. Obama, and they said, oh, we're going to address this. We're going to make you safe. We're going to cut that woman in half. You know what we're going to do? We're not going to end the visa waiver program, which is the only thing that makes sense, folks. But you see, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce has partnered with the Hotel, Hospitality, Travel, and Manufacturing Associations to create the Discover America Partnership. They don't care that al-Qaeda and that the drug cartels and ISIS have discovered America. They just want to fill every seat on every airplane, every bed in every hotel, every seat in every baseball park, every seat in every theater, every seat in every high-priced restaurant. That's what they want. So how do they do that? Let's make it easier to let people come here. Let's stop putting impediments in their way. The visa process discourages people from traveling and the visa process. So we went from 26 visa waiver countries, and now we have 38 visa waiver countries. And if the Chamber of Commerce had their way, there'd be no visa requirement anywhere at any time for any purpose. They think they're terrible because it deprives their people money. 
And after all, when all you care about is money and dead people are collateral damage, the cost of doing business as the father of one young man who was killed on 9-11 said to me with tears in his eyes, and I can't forget it. They don't care. They just plumb don't care. The Chamber of Commerce could care less if a thousand people were killed tomorrow. No, they might actually enjoy that. They'd be drumming up business for another great American industry, the funeral homes. They don't care. These are people who know the price of everything, the value of nothing in human life is that to them is worthless. That's the only conclusion they can come to. They don't care. And if they can destroy the wage structure for the middle class, more the better, because then their friends who belong to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce get to make more money until, of course, people stop buying the garbage they make because no one has the money to buy it, but they can't think beyond tomorrow. They don't realize they're killing the goose that laid the golden egg. All they care about is money, 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 and money, 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 money. That's all they want. And if people die, they don't care. If we're less safe, it doesn't matter. All that matters is how much money they can shovel into their bank accounts. I've heard enough of these bums testify with me at state legislative hearings in Washington. I had one guy in Washington affiliated with an organization that's linked to the Chamber of Commerce tell me that America's borders are an impediment to his wealth. Our borders are an impediment to his wealth. I said they're our first and last line of defense. He could care less. He said nothing is 100% safe. It's inevitable people are going to die. He was so cavalier, so cavalier. This is what we're dealing with, folks. This is why we're seeing what we're seeing. And Congress is very happy to do their bidding because they've been paid to do it. You see? This is why campaign contributions are bribes. So you, you look at the situation we're in where people can easily lie about who they are when they got here. You would think that people would be alarmed, and they're not. The visa waiver program is a problem, but they don't want that program stopped because they might wind up with a couple more empty seats on airliners. Maybe a couple hotel rooms won't, won't have people sleeping on the sheets. So they had to create an illusion. So what was the illusion? The enhanced visa waiver program. You're going to love this. Oh, this is great. Because now if you're a citizen of a country that participates in the visa waiver program, we're not just going to let you into America. If you've been to Syria or Afghanistan, there was a list of about six countries. If you've been there within the last six months, you need to go to the U.S. Embassy where you live and get a visa. We're getting tough. If you've been to Syria, you need to get a visa. Stop the music. Do you think some guy is going to walk into an embassy? He's going to come bopping in in his hot little hand. He's going to have his, his British passport or his German or his French passport or his Belgian passport. And he's going to say, hey, listen, I just spent the last six months in Syria. In fact, in fact, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for being honest with you. I don't want to commit fraud, folks. Here is my certificate of attendance at IED school where I learned how to make the best car bombs of anybody in my class. Do you think he's going to provide a transcript like that to our officials? Do you think a terrorist is going to walk into a U.S. embassy and ask for a visa and admit that he or she went to training in, the, in one of those countries? My goodness gracious. This goes beyond naive. This is such duplicity, such duplicity. 
And at the time, Mr. Obama went out there and was ranting and raving about, we're getting tough, we're going to secure, we're going to make you safe, we're going to cut the woman in half, right? You see, because if they go to those countries, damn it, they're going to have to get a visa. No, they're not. They're just not going to tell anybody they went. Just like the guy that hires illegal aliens will hire them off the books. This isn't rocket science. But what alarms me, folks, how many people listen to this dreck and say, oh, we're safe now. Thank God we have a wonderful president. Thank God Congress is on the ball. My rear end they are. The average American has the IQ of a radish. I swear to God. Stop and understand what's happening. Stop and understand the lies that you're being told. There are many more people who have driver's licenses and um, cell phones in America than there are illegal aliens. I think you'll agree. Bad as it is, we still have many more Americans with driver's licenses and cell phones than there are illegal aliens. Yet, how many commercials do you see warning you that if you're caught texting while driving, they're going to get you? They have you convinced if you even get near that telephone and you're behind the wheel, SWAT is going to descend on your car with heavy weapons and pull you through the sunroof, never to be seen again. Don't you dare text and drive. Don't you dare drive buzz. Forget about drunk. Even buzz driving is drunk driving. We're going to get you. We're going to take your car. How many people are driving? How many people might drink? More than there are illegal aliens. Have you ever heard a mayor of a city or a police chief say, you know, there's just too many people that have cell phones and driver's licenses for us to do anything about people who text while driving. Have you ever heard that argument? No, of course not. Then why do we keep hearing there's too many illegal aliens to arrest them all, so all we can do is give them lawful status? Why? Why? Because the goal is to make it acceptable to legalize the millions who are here to encourage still more to come. The greatest influx of illegal aliens into America occurred after Ronald Reagan signed into law the Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986, convincing people all over the world that if you come to America and you hide well enough, sooner or later they will give you a green card, sooner or later they will give you citizenship. This started a gold rush. Ronald Reagan fired the starter's pistol for the greatest surge of illegal aliens in the history of the United States. And Mr. Obama finished it off. And if you look at the testimony of John Hostetler, uh, and I, I was at that hearing, I was one of the witnesses. He used to chair the House Immigration Subcommittee, conservative Republican, by the way. John's a good guy, one of the few good guys, but he's not there anymore. Not there anymore. They took their support away from him. The Republicans did. I wonder maybe why. We can all speculate. But John Hostetler said that the way that DHS was put together in response to the enactment of something known as the Homeland Security Act, the reaction to the 9-11 Commission, the reaction to the attacks of 9-11, the way they put it together made it impossible to enforce the immigration laws, secure the borders, or protect Americans. And he said, and the thing of it is, I'm paraphrasing, is that everybody knew 
that the reason that the attacks were able to happen wasn't because people violated customs laws or agriculture laws, or it was purely because of immigration law violations. So you would have thought that they would have ended this dual mission business. And I was the one who called that to their attention long before the hearings. And I recommended reconfiguring the agency to create something that I had called the Bureau of Immigration Enforcement. They even had a, 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 a rally of sorts in the Congress or the well of the house where they held up banners, INS equals ignoring national security, BIE, Bureau of Immigration Enforcement. But George Bush didn't want that. He wanted open borders. And that's why Ramos and Compion, on those two border patrol agents were prosecuted for doing their job on the dangerous part of the border when they encountered a drug smuggler. And their defense attorneys weren't even advised that the guy that they got into the confrontation with had been previously charged with narcotics trafficking. They were set up by their own government that put them there in that dangerous part of the border under the Bush administration. I'm so tired of reading comments to my articles where the people that are writing them aren't looking at big pictures. You know, who was the president when this happened? It was Obama. Well, I have a lot of issues with Mr. Obama. Boy, oh boy, I could go on for the next month about my issues with Obama. But I could go on for the next month about what Bush did, about the amnesty by Ronald Reagan. And, and you could say what you want, that it was a big mistake. Uh, let me tell you, he even included a confidentiality provision, Reagan did, so that as an immigration agent, I could not share an amnesty file with the FBI or the police or anybody, even if they came to me and said the guy was running around with an atom bomb. All other immigration files are open to share. Uh, naturalization files, here, have it. The guy got a green card, wonderful. Political asylum, you got it. The amnesty files were sealed. And the only way that I could share anything in the file, a name, an address, a photograph, anything, was with a court order. Otherwise, I would have been committing a five-year felony. I could have lost my job and I could have gone to jail. Why? It was an open invitation to fraud. We can speculate. Reagan's dead. I can't you know, ask him, what were you thinking? But every agent that I know saw that as an inducement for fraud, so nobody would pay attention to what was in the applications. And that's part of why we wound up with many more illegal aliens than the one million we were told would get legalized under the Reagan plan. We wound up with almost three and a half million or four million, whatever the number was, God knows. So please understand, both parties have done this to us. Both parties have done this to us. And when I look at this guy who went to terror training camp in 2000, and we admitted him into the United States in 2011, and it's only because he went to flight school. What would have happened? I don't know. I don't want to speculate. You know, the guy is alleged. We have to be careful. But if he's still an active adherent to the madness, was he planning to go to flight school because there's other people here that want to participate in a hijacking? 9-11 all over again? I mean, they all wanted to learn to fly airplanes so they knew how to hit the buildings. They turned airliners into cruise missiles is that what we're witnessing i don't know was he planning to load up an airplane with explosives and fly it into into a building or a facility of some sort i don't know was he simply learning to fly airplanes for the same reason that i did when i was a kid because it's a fun thing to do possibly but the possibilities are disquieting we live in a very dangerous era and this is one case of many. I, I could flip through article after article after article about aliens who gamed the immigration system and got away with it. 
Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber, came to America on a student visa at the age of 20. Of course, the media referred to him as homegrown. He wasn't homegrown. And less than a year before he set off the car bomb, he became a citizen. If they had done a proper investigation, they probably could have figured out what he was up to. They didn't do an investigation. The Tsarnaev brothers, political asylum, they go back to Russia. What kind of credible fear do you think they had if they went back voluntarily to Russia after we gave them legal status? And then they got green cards, and one of them got to be a citizen. And then they carry out the deadly terror attack in Boston in 2013 on April 15th. How thorough was that investigation? Look at the K-1 visa, San Bernardino. We can go down the list item by item by item by item. There's a guy on the FBI's 10 most wanted list or most wanted list of terror suspects who's a naturalized citizen, who's driving a cab all over Washington. And when they issue the, the notice that they're looking for, they believe he's somewhere in the Middle East. The fear is that because he drove a cab for years in Washington, he knows the ins and outs of that city the way, he knows, the way you know the, pan, the back of your hand. He was admitted, given citizenship, given a green card. Folks. What we're listening to about DACA is a bunch of nonsense. And, you know, some of those kids are decent children. I've met them at rallies. I've spoken to some of them. I feel bad for some of them. But do we want to encourage more people to drag their kids through the desert? Because many children don't survive it. Try to drive your child in your car without a safety seat and see how quickly you get arrested. And that's right. But we're encouraging people to drag their children through the desert, and many kids don't survive the temperatures, the dryness, the, the spiders, the uh, tarantulas, the rattlesnakes, the banditos. This is dangerous stuff. And as badly as I feel for these kids, what do we do? So with the politicians who didn't say children, they said children, but then they turned this around into, into people in their mid-30s. Why was that done? Because it was believed it would cover the great majority of illegal aliens in the United States. It was an end run around failed comprehensive immigration reform concocted by the Gang of Eight, the Eight Gangsters. That's what we're witnessing. And I I want you to understand what's being done because I want all of you to become active. You need to let your elected representative know what you expect of him or her. You need to call the White House because if they embark on this journey, there will be no turning back. There's no do-overs in this business. So please check out my articles. Um, Also, I did an article. I think we talked about it last week, Newsmax, same topic. But this week, you've got the article, Saudi graduate of Al-Qaeda training camp arrested in Oklahoma. I hope you find it interesting and that you share it with people. All I can tell you, folks, please remember what I say at the end of my show every week. Democracy is not a spectator sport. Please get involved. And make it clear to our politicians that we're not as foolish as they hope that we are. Thank you for joining me. I hope to see you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. So long.